Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And And we are Resilient Resilient Black Black Women. A black woman gave us life. A black woman taught us to stand. When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man. When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his hand and gave him strength beyond themselves, something they could never understand. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking a little bit about um, something that was kind of extraordinary for Northwest Arkansas. We had Dr. Cornell West up here for a whole weekend uh, for Martin Luther King Day. And that was so cool. I know that you got to go to a lot of the different events. Denisha, what's your side? Um, but I just loved having him up here. Um, how did you feel when you got to listen to Dr. Cornell West's recent um, speaking engagement he had last weekend? Um, I think to hear someone that is so wise and has so much life experience, um, just yeah. being able to connect with his words of what something he said um, really resonated with me. Um, I might not get the quote completely right, but he said something about like listening to all voices even though that can be messy, right? Um, finding connections because when our humanity overlaps, we have a starting point. Oh yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. When our humanity overlaps, we have a starting point. Yes, I love that because he was um, the Northwest Arkansas MLK Council brought him. Their theme was disruptive love. And so I'm just like hearing that that quote from him with that banner of disruptive love. <laughs> like mm. when there's overlap, then that's where our humanity connects. I'm like, ooh, yes. that's that's really good. Right. <laughs> and when our humanity connects, we have no choice but to find vulnerability, mm. love, all those other things. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I love that so much. I mean, I think that was the thing that I I felt just like being just being in his presence. You just felt that you were in the presence of like someone really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the way that he engaged with the crowd mm-hmm. was also just like super mm-hmm. relaxed. Right. <laughs> you know, like he didn't carry himself like mm-hmm. I'm not to be touched, <laughs> you know, right, or right, looked at, you right. know. But he was just like. He was so present, mm-hmm. um, which is how I've always seen him on TV. And mm-hmm. so to be so close that I could, like, touch him, right. I was like, dang, like, he is the same person. <laughs> of just, like, really chill and just, uh, he's just, like, fully present in the moment. Um, yes, which means it makes it easier for his listeners to just absorb and yeah. want to absorb, like, want to lean in towards his words and what he's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it wasn't just, like, approachable, like... He was really welcoming, and I think it made his words, even though they were challenging, it made me feel like like I wanted to be a part of this right. this movement mm-hmm. that he had been living his whole life right. toward. Um, and I really, I don't know, I just really appreciate it. And he asked a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, are you resistant to change out of fear? I mean, that's huge. Mm-hmm. It's Okay, so that's what we were just talking about, about being uncomfortable with this conversation about race. Yes. And is our, when we start to feel uncomfortable, is that coming from a place of fear? Right. And 
just because it is, does that mean that I'm not safe or I'm just uncomfortable, right? Because those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm going to give a shout out to the Joshua Center Mm -hmm. and the co-directors of the Joshua Center, the Reinas, because I feel like they truly have a heart Mm -hmm. and they want that humanity to overlap. Mm -hmm. And they create spaces where we can get in those messy conversations. And Mm -hmm. that's not always that's not common. Um, especially in in the workplace. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And not in the workplace that is led by predominantly white folks. Right. Right. Like the real. I think I heard um, I heard an Asian man who is a counselor uh, talk about multiculturalism. And he talked about how white people never have to think about being somewhere alone mm. on purpose. Right. Uh, he's like, they, they never have to think about like not being somewhere and they don't know the language. They never have to think about like what they would do and um, who they would be with and how they get support. Like they don't have to be around anyone who is non-white if they don't want to. Mm. He's mm-hmm. like, but me as an Asian man, I'm always thinking about what my life is going to be like and where I'm going to go and how I'm going to like encounter people asking me questions about my accent or whatever. Right. He's like, I'm always thinking about that mm-hmm. because I know there's nowhere that I can go mm. where I will automatically be the majority right, in the room. And so, so yeah, I think for a predominantly white-led organization to have intentional conversations about race behind closed doors mm-hmm. with their staff is a big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially, like you said, like, they don't have to. You don't have to. Like, you really can't take a bow out and be like, right. Mm, that's not really for me. Or I don't really mm-hmm. need, I don't have to think about that. Right. I may not always see clients who are black. So, like, that's not really for me. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, so... So, yeah, like when white people decide to choose to be uncomfortable, that speaks a lot of volumes to me as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm glad that you're willing to be uncomfortable because the reality is that I'm uncomfortable all the time. Right. And I'm making it look flawless. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, but like I'm also working really hard to Mm -hmm. like manage uh my own ways of like viewing the world and recognizing whether or not people are safe for me to be Mm -hmm. my full self and all that type of stuff right like um so I do I absolutely appreciate the white people that I have in my life who will take a risk Mm -hmm. and be uncomfortable with me and sit in some hard conversations with me and talk about what they really think and believe about George Floyd, right? And mm-hmm. we have built enough safety and care. Right. Um, I do appreciate that. Because um, like Dr. Cornell West said, that's the starting point. That is the starting point of being vulnerable. And then when you think about like vulnerability, vulnerability, um, as Dr. Brene Brown would say, right, is that vulnerability is the birthplace of everything we, we really desire. Joy, mm-hmm. love, peace, like... Mm-hmm. It happens on the floor of vulnerability, Mm -hmm. being really open and really honest. But I think to get to vulnerability, we have to be able to recognize like the signals that our body is sending us that it's not necessarily that you are uh, maybe unsafe, but that it's you're uncomfortable and it's not predictable. The conversation about race usually is really heated. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it can send our body some stress signals because maybe because of how we've seen it done before and it wasn't good right supportive probably not even productive um and so to have these types of conversations i think what i loved about corner was he kept talking about he leaned into that theme of disruptive love and that having these conversations requires courage he kept Mm -hmm. saying that word over and over and over again that it requires courage on both parts for us Mm -hmm. um absolutely and then I love what he said. He talked about how to be a disruptor of love. Uh, he, he, he spent so much time talking about identity. Like you need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. It made me think about, I follow this um, black woman. She has an Instagram called Black Liturgies. Um, and I'm reading a book by her. Um, her book is called This Here Flesh. Her name is Ar- um, Arthur. Uh, Riley Cole and she uh, has this uh, she made a quote she quoted Coretta Scott King on Martin Luther King Day um, for one of her liturgies and she said sometimes in the words of Coretta Scott King she says sometimes I am identified as a civil rights leader or human rights activist I would also like to be thought of as a complex three-dimensional flesh and blood human being with a rich storehouse of experiences much like everyone else, yet unique in my own way, much like everyone else. Coretta Scott King. I love this phrase because these words just remind me of what I think Dr. Cornwell West was trying to like get us to like understand, like know who you are mm-hmm. as an individual. And then also, like, when we have these conversations about race, can you listen to the individual stories and right. not just group them up? Right. As like, oh, those what those people believe. That's what they believe. Mm-hmm. And I can never, like, can we just slow down and hear Coretta Scott King's story? Mm-hmm. What was it like for her to be the wife to, right? Like, as an individual, instead of clumping her up like even like her words of like I'm three-dimensional I'm complex I have a a host of experiences Mm -hmm. outside of just this one thing and so I don't know her words were like I hope people see me right and I think that's what we would both say like I hope when I talk and I talk about race and I talk about racial reconciliation or whatever Mm -hmm. like hope people see me right not even like grouping us together, right? Because yes, we we are not the same. We you are resilient I. black women, but within that, there are two totally different narratives. Yeah, yeah, and I think it takes courage, one for us to tell our story, mm-hmm. and it also takes courage for people to listen, right? And for people to like bear witness to our life's experiences yes. that are different. Because sometimes it is just hard just to listen to what people have lived through Mm -hmm. and what people have experienced and then for us to just simply believe them. Right. I think that's another part that gets like Mm. misconstrued in the conversation about race and like when minoritized people start telling their stories, I think their fear is that people won't believe me. Yes. (laughs) That people are going to try to like 
minimize my experience. Oh, well, you should have been. And did you try to do this instead? Maybe mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had that. And the reality, if I'm, if I've had to take courage <laughs> to tell you something that happened to me that was really difficult, discriminatory, offensive, your only response is to believe me. Right. Like, that is what it means. Like, we've talked about pain on an episode before of just, like, how I was listening to a different podcast and it talked about how, like, pain needs to be seen, heard, and believed. Like, it needs to be responded to. Like, that's the only response right. when I talk about something difficult as a black mm-hmm. woman, as a black mother. Um, it's like, I just need you to believe me that this actually happened right. to me. Because if not, then the cycle repeats, right? Yes. Then you'll be less likely to come forward and share your truth. Your body will respond in a way, maybe shut down, however it responds, right? And then the cycle will continue. And that person is still, they got uncomfortable. And so in that discomfort, that wall of disbelief came up. And so change can't happen. Yeah. And I even like what you said, change can't happen, like, The change is on both of us. Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. For someone to believe me, it changes them. But then for me to know that someone believes me changes me too. Right. Yes. So, right. This goes back to this idea that we've talked about before about Mm co-regulation. If I can have enough courage to say hard things. And someone can have enough courage to listen and believe the hard things that I said. They can help me downregulate my body right. to get to a much safer place internally. Mm-hmm. And then we have what I think Dr. Cornell West would say, that's disruptive love. Yes. That our humanity was able to touch one another for just a moment. Mm-hmm. And we were able to connect beyond cultural lines and just us humans that Mm -hmm. live and breathe in a world that is not so perfect yes Mm. and we finally get to see right and in order to do that you have to go through the mess and that mess is not a good feeling it's uncomfortable it's super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it's really nasty and hard and and it's sad, like, just thinking through things that we have all kind of, like, lived through as far as, like, injustices. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really sad and really hard. And it and it can require, it, it requires an audience. I think, I don't know, I've heard it said before that pain demands an audience. And so we do need people to see and to hear, you know, and that makes me think about something that he said. He talked about how um, oftentimes um, he talked about Luther Vandross, right? And how like Luther Vandross, like it's known for like all these love songs, right? And then he told us where Luther Vandross like grew up. And he's like, that was the, the home of the KKK. He's like, where did they get all this love from? Where he get all this love from in his heart? Where... He grew up in a place where his he probably saw people hunted mm-hmm. by white leaders mm. in this community and hanged and killed. And, and he just kept talking. He just kept bringing up moment after moment in history of 
musicians and artists of talking about love and mm-hmm. joy, even though we knew there's no way right. <laughs> that's what they should have chosen. Right. Based on where they live, based on what was also happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even Martin Luther King Jr.'s, his whole platform of nonviolence, like there's no way. Right. He should have had that type of those words on his lips. If anybody deserved to be violent, it would be black folks. You know what I'm saying? Like what we've lived through. And yet you see the exact opposite out of our people. Mm -hmm. Love. You see us creating. You see us um, owning businesses and Mm -hmm. having black Wall Streets and Greenwood. Like you see all this stuff that is still smiling, you know? little things of all this and all this pain mm-hmm. all this death and, and and the bombings of the churches and the four little black girls who died right like in the midst of all of that we get really beautiful music really yes. beautiful art really beautiful poetry mm-hmm. out of those places i don't know that's and i think that's part of the reason i'm like yeah like we need courage to tell our stories and then we need other folks to have courage to listen. Right. Yeah. Everything black, everything black, I know. That's why, I know. Everything black, everything black, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. We could tell our stories all day, every day, but if no one's emotionally attuning or responding to us, where does what happens? It falls flat. Mm-hmm. It goes nowhere. Yes. <laughs> and it almost feels like nobody cares. Right. And then you can get tired of, like, having to share and tell what you've been through. I don't know. I think I was just super, just really hearing Dr. Cornell West just, uh, I don't know. It felt like, in some ways, it felt like a big hug, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm really sad I didn't get to hug him. (laughs) Like, I'm really, really sad. Um, But that's what his words just felt really like comfort Mm -hmm. um that even someone who had lived through everything that he's lived through that he still had hope right for more that things can and will Mm. and it makes me feel like man like you and i d are like a part of that can and will and is getting better right because of the work that we do so it's still worth it or yeah i had to do a risk assessment right now Mm -hmm. it's still worth it yeah Nobody knows what the risk assessment is. You have to explain that. (laughs) (laughs) You just said that all like really nearly and dropping stuff. So in a very quick nutshell, basically anytime you go into a space, um, you assess it. You assess, is this going to make me uncomfortable? Am I being judged? Can I bring forward my full self? Um, And... Yeah, and you assess whether or not it's worth maybe even like calling out microaggressions, Mm -hmm. calling out ways that you felt discriminated against. You have to assess whether or not the space is safe enough. When I talked about risk assessments um, in a meeting that we have um, at the Joshua Center, I talked about feeling um, needing to understand whether or not I had enough power or influence Mm -hmm. to actually influence change into the system. And I think, 
I think people of color, especially black men and women, are thinking about that all the time. Yes. Yeah. Right. And something that my friend um, said to me after that. So I talked to my friend Lindsay mm-hmm. after that. Right. And she was like, OK, so if you decide that it's not safe enough or it's not worth the risk mm-hmm. to address something that was like a microaggression that came up. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you go with that? Do you just like keep that to yourself? And I was like, oh, yeah, I go to my people. Right. <laughs> I talk to my folks like Mm -hmm. I got my own tribe of folks that I can like talk things through right but if I feel like I am inside of a system and I cannot change that system Mm -hmm. I'm not bucking up against the system right just for a moment of like a microaggression or whatever like I'm going to my tribe that feels safe so you still get to co-regulate I still regulate yes Mm -hmm. right I'm not like and, and and maybe that's the thing for us to learn as like people of color and black people of like if I don't have a tribe, mm-hmm. then yes, then racial trauma, racial traumatic, the term in the research that they're using is racial traumatic stress, mm-hmm. which is not a disorder. It's not in a DSM-5. It, it, the research talks about it as a an injury to our mental psyche. Mm-hmm. And so if we have been struggling with racial traumatic stress, it can have a tremendous impact on our bodies and the way to deal with it is that like we have to turn to someone or right. something so people places or things mm-hmm. so people may be like a legitimate tribe a group of people that I talk to that are a mixture of like black and white folks that I have for me um, places may be like physical places that I go like mm-hmm. I may go for a walk out in the woods I may go to church um, and then there may be like legitimate things that I have so I may have like a book that I read mm-hmm. um, it could be the bible it could be prayer like it can be all these different things but I I do believe that like when we have been a victim of some type of like racial thing uh, we should turn to something right um and if we don't turn to people, places, or things, we're probably turning to things that are not very supportive for our body. Right. And so. And that is healthy. Maybe drugs, gambling, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Right. Whatever it is. Like, the reality is, is what Denisha and I would say is that your body will find something to comfort itself. Mm-hmm. So whether it's food, alcohol, mm-hmm. you fill in the blank. Right. Your body will always seek comfort in some kind of way. Um, so you should have some safe options mm-hmm. for your body to turn to people, places, things, something, um, especially something. if you're assessing, if you're doing your risk assessment, basically the risk assessment is, can I advocate for myself in this space? Yeah. Right. Does that good. That's and good so phrase. if I can't, then what do I do? Who do I turn to? Yep. Yeah. 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 I, uh, just love being able to hear from Dr. Corner West and I love that we got a moment to kind of talk about it a little bit um and I hope that as we kind of close out this episode um I hope that we just all kind of like listen to some things that Dee and I kind of talked about of it takes courage it takes Mm -hmm. courage to have these types of conversations um And people need to be believed. Yes. Can I say something on courage? Mm -hmm. I also want to make space for people that 
I don't want any shame to come up if there's moments that listening to this podcast you might reflect on and say, oh, man, I should have had more courage. I should have went in. I should have advocated for myself. Or even on the other side, I should have sat there. I should have listened. Um, you have good reason, I'm sure, for not feeling like you could have courage in that moment. And so I'm just wanting you, my list, our listeners, to be mindful of that and make space for that. Sometimes it's hard to have courage. Yeah, yeah. Make sp- make space for courage for for both sides. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What is a moment of gratitude as we close this episode? Um, I'm thankful for Northwest Arkansas and its growth, and being mm-hmm. able to get someone like the great Dr. Cornell West here yes. in the flesh. Um. I'm thankful for the new year and what all it will bring. Yeah. Yeah, I am also really grateful to have been able to share physical space <laughs> with Dr. Connor West. Um, it was just a really cool experience. And then just to know that he uh, he gave up his whole weekend. Like, he was at St. James on Sunday. Mm. And then he was at the March on Monday. Mm. I'm like, yo, this is amazing. Um, you know, you know, you just don't always see that in people with that no. type of caliber no, and status of what they have in the in the country, and to know that he was here, uh, and just I love seeing the pictures that he had with like all the students that I know mm-hmm. were like some were high school, maybe some were college students, and like I don't know, just really grateful that our community got to like witness him yeah. in the flesh. Uh, that was really cool. So, y'all, I'm Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And we, we are, are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. If you enjoyed the podcast today and if you enjoy listening to Denisha and I, then we would love to invite you to uh, give to us, support our mission and demystifying mental health for Black women, women of color, and women everywhere. You can do that by going to our website at resilientblackwomen.org and hit the button that says give to us. Thank you all so much and have a great day. Black woman gave us life, a black woman taught us to stand When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his hand And gave him strength beyond themselves, something they could never understand Black women gave us the equations, we need to get us to space If the world was finna end, a better black woman could save the race Black women get hurt, and for some it's hard to believe Because black women are goddesses, and goddesses don't ever bleed Black women survive, though they push and shun her away They the most educated, so listen to what your mama say Most beautiful, might I say, that's why they copy all her ways That's why they sit and they stare, but don't let them touch your hair Those roots were formed before you were even here And may God bless the souls that was lost so we persevere A black woman from Chicago had prayed for me every night That black woman sent me away one summer and saved my life, I know